This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to the Book Riot Podcast. It's a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. And I was about to say that doesn't really apply today, but I'd say a new novel by the Nobel Prize winning author Kazu Ishiguro is worth talking about and yes, new absolutely. and cool. It's very cool. So it is not a news story like we often do, um, but it's one of our, from time to time, we do this at least quarterly now, I guess, a book discussion. Yeah. And then sometimes more often. We'll do another one when we're in our, you know, every, uh, we're, and this may coming up pretty mm-hmm. quick, we'll do a two episodes a week season and some of those will be the it books of the year this is not an it book of the year i don't think we can maybe talk about why it may not be it is a book of the year it is a book of the year from the content but also from the hype and who it is and everything Mm -hmm. else wouldn't you agree at this point? i would agree i think that's a good distinction and this one was chosen for us voted upon by the members the epic level members of book ride insiders so if you would like the power to tell us what to read in the future, you can check out insiders.bookriot.com. That's right. Um, so we're going to, we both read it. We haven't talked about it one bit. We haven't. We've been so good. So very good. So this is all live to tape. You keep the, it's like a live concert. You keep the energy. Um, may, may have a false note or two as we find our way through this. But I'll tell you this, there's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think a sneaky good book club pick. I agree. Um, can we talk about we're going to do an ad here in a minute, and then after that ad, we'll do some spoiler-free talk, but we will spoil this eventually. We're going to hold off on it now. The one thing we've talked about <laughs> with this book is the actual book as object. Should we do this for a minute? Yes, please. So it's stitched. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it apart now. I, it I think, is, was it, it, we were on last week's show when I was like, and the paper. I think we were at, it was the after show <laughs> was we were it? talking okay. about. Very high bond paper. Yeah. Um, it when you if you go to a bookstore, which you can now, some people can do this, or you mm-hmm. buy it online, it feels like it's going to be longer than it is because the the paper stock is yeah. so thick. Each page it's only three hundred so and thick. some, yeah, just over. It's such a nice book, and the cover is beautiful and striking. Yeah, three hundred three pages, which is three hundred to three fifty is my ideal novel length. Um, I agree. Three fifty um, is perfect. I'm having some work done on the roof, so if you hear some stuff in the background, mm. I am fine. It is proceeding. <laughs> that is the sound that apparently is supposed to be being made. Is I can't told. hear anything, but thanks for the warning. Okay, just in case everyone else uh, can hear it there. But it's very, it's stitched, has a very good cover, very nice, simple cover design, uh, a jacket design. I didn't see who and did the jacket design. It is. Yeah, the jacket design I saw is by John, John Gall. Gall. And it's like a shade of red that's very striking and very saturated, but not like bright cherry red. There's something mm-hmm. about this particular color that feels intentional and is very pleasing to me. Yeah. Very simple image of a hand with a sun, uh, an embossed sun, a foil embossed sun mm-hmm. on it. You know, kind of, in, in a lot of ways, I think out of central casting for an important literary novel, the way it feels in the mm-hmm. hand and the way it looks, yeah. except for... My stupid 
printed on Good Morning America Book Club Pick medallion. Does oh, yours have this? No, but mine has a sticker that says signed first edition. <laughs> Sorry. I don't like that. <laughs> I didn't order it that way, but it helps to have friends who own bookstores. Yeah, and I pre-ordered this, so I, oh. I, I I missed the window. Usually, even something that gets announced first day or pub day, they won't have stickers on it because they'll have printed beforehand. And this is a Good Morning yeah. America book club. This is a surprising Again, choice for such a mainstream book club, but maybe we can get into that. Yeah, we can get down a little bit. But can you put this? Do you have to print it on there? I hate that. These I mean, stickers, am I being, I'm being fussy, but I'm being too fussy. I No, no, I'm going to validate this fussy. I think that book club stickers or accolades of that nature should be peel-offable. Because in 25 years, are people going to care on my, no. because it's a, is this a first, let me see, maybe it's not a first edition. Maybe I got a second printing or something. I'm trying, this is, this is a <laughs> riveting radio. Should I like flip some pages, make a little book sound, yeah. do some Foley work? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, first edition. So maybe what I need to do is just get a different dust jacket um, mm-hmm. because that's the kind of person I am, <laughs> apparently. So, but other than that, a very, very handsome um, volume. Can we talk about the blurbs? Yes. Acclaim. I'm s- Margaret Atwood, mm-hmm. Gaiman, Lev Grossman, Louis the Menand. S- and then the Swedish Academy. Uh, the Swedish Academy. What a glow up for Lev Grossman, by the way. Right. I guess it's time. He's writing for Time. Yes, he was the he was the Time literary critic or a Time literary critic. And the Menand is from the New York Times Book Review. No one cares. Um, very few of us care about Lou Menand. I actually kind of like Lou Menand. I read him often. The New Yorker and some. He's got a new book coming about the cultural yeah. history of the Cold War, which is nine hundred pages. I will not be reading that. But I, you know, the Atwood and Gaiman. I think it's an int- Grossman. Those are spec fic. Right? I mean, I yeah. think that's the through line there. Those are good clues about kind of the general vibe of yeah. an Ishiguro, even though, and I plan to talk about this later, his touch is much more subtle, I think. I mean, yeah, um, let, we'll, we'll, let's save that for the substance of the show. I, before yeah. we do the, before we take our first break, anything else about the book as object? Well, we'll nerd you know, out for a minute longer. Talking about the blurbs on the back. Yep. All of the blurbs are, first, the heading on that is a claim for Kazuo Ishiguro. It's not mm-hmm. a claim for Clara and the Sun. Right. And so the blurbs are all just about how wonderful he is. And I second mm-hmm. all of those emotions. And then when you look at the front, we were recently talking about which authors are brands. And one yes. of the markers of being a brand is that your author name is bigger on the cover than the title. And Ishiguro is there. Just it's, barely. It's not it's a big close, difference. Is it? Yeah, it is. But it's interesting. his name is bigger than the book title. And those two things combined, that his name is bigger than the book title and that the blurbs are not about the book itself, but just about him, which yeah. is a signal for like, you should read this because everything this guy does is great. It's really interesting to see. Dedicate to his mother, who passed away last year. Mm. Um, a telling time. Also, <laughs> it gives another valence to the book, I think, yeah. interestingly. Uh, as It's mothers and daughters, man. Kids and parents. Mm-hmm. Um, no no, for, no uh, intro blurbs. No couple pages of uh, intro blurbs or praise. Nope. Also, I just had an occasion... Well, let's do our sponsor, and we'll get, we'll get <laughs> sort of into where it fits into the Usher Girl Corpus here in a minute after the sponsor break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Also by Kazuo Guru, The Buried Giant, Nocturnes, Never Let Me Go, When We Were Orphans, Unconsoled, Remains of the Day, An Artist of the Flowing World, and A Pale View of the Hills. Mm. Ishiguro is very hard to pin down, ranging from E.M. Forster fanfic, you know, in the yeah. Remains of the Day kind of a situation, <laughs> all the way to, I was trying to think, is this the other end of the spectrum? Where where in the spectrum of Ishiguro in this? Is it on it? Is it a pole of it? Or is it off of it, would I you say, at this point? this is closer to the Never Let Me Go pole. Yes. But right. in my I don't, feeling about it, I think Never Let Me Go is well, a weirder hang. Yeah. I love it. I'm, but yeah. between E.M. Forster and like spec fic, like why is Margaret Atwood blurbing mm-hmm. Ishiguro? It's because she, of... Never Let Me Go. Never and Claire in the Sun. And then Gaiman yeah. is there for Barry Giant. Kind right. of. I mean, it's more, that's more fantasy yeah. in its own way. Where but this that, is near a, future speculative fiction. Yeah, it's right? just a huge range from a huge remains range. of the day, this very quiet historical set mm-hmm. piece functionally yeah. to this, yeah. And and the literary bona fides, and again, I'm not being judgmental, it's a it's a it's its own genre, right? Mm-hmm. Literariness. And Ishiguro's brand of literariness is almost like it falls more towards the Hemingway of spareness, right, yeah, than to yeah. of David Foster Wallace and, or even like a Patricia Lockwood exuberance, where language itself yeah, is at play. It's very quiet very in a quiet. way that is such a tool, I think, in his hands. Like, mm-hmm. you know you're in a different place, in, in this novel especially. And in many of the books, there's a sense that, like, something sinister might be happening or something bad or scary could go on there's something not right in the world this this stuff just like lingers off screen yes. and he doesn't do it as if it's not like monster of the week where you don't quite no. get to see the monster you know like there, it's there's nothing flashy it's just Im- so impressive how restrained his writing is i think it's even hard done i mean because res- it it's restrained it's spare but it 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 has this weird capability of feeling like the shotgun is also cocked, but it may never fire, but it Uh also might fire. Yeah. Right. You also might get a crazy thing that happens or you might not. Yeah. This one, I think you're like 240 something pages into 300 before you really know what the thing is and get the confirmation that like, oh, there actually was a thing. And I wondered Mm -hmm. at that point, like, is is there actually going to be a thing? (laughs) Because you're right. You don't know. It just has that feeling of like... 
he might defy the Chekhov's gun rule and wave the gun or like hint that there's a gun there, but it might never go off. If one of the tropes of literary fiction is that you don't know what's going to happen, I think that's also interesting as the kind of a converse of a romance, for example, or a mystery thriller, for that mm-hmm. matter. Of just or, sort of genre. Or genre of, of a larger kind, where one of the salient things that separates genre fiction of most kinds from literary fiction is a real sense of open-ended possibility, whereas if this was labeled as a mystery or thriller, I think people would be disappointed or otherwise, you know, everything's not tied up in a way. Right, Um, and I think it's wise for a lot of reasons that this is not being marketed as like, as speculative fiction or sci-fi fantasy. Right. Um, This is lit fic design. Like it's it's telling you everything you need to know if you pick up the mm-hmm. book that you're picking up literary fiction. It also happens to be speculative fiction, but tonally and experientially this is literary fiction, interestingly yeah. enough. Yeah. And I think that one of the big story, I mean the big story of probably my whole adi- adult life in books will be diversity writ mm-hmm. large. But in terms of style or, or or concerns of content second to that, it is the blending, the hybridization of genre and quote-unquote literary fiction and the blurring of the lines between them. I think this is for literary readers who are willing to go into the speculative space much more than it's for genre readers of speculative fiction and sci-fi who like might dabble in the literary. If you want to dabble in literary fiction, great. I don't know that this is where where I would start. I think if if you are principally or even largely a literary fiction reader, I think you have to read speculative fiction like this now. Like, mm-hmm. it's just part of literary fiction. That yeah, co-opting, so integration, whatever metaphor you want to use is part and parcel of what it means to be at the forefront of art writing on a commercial scale. Well, and it makes it is. very difficult to deny the validity of genre elements and explorations right. when you're right. talking about those elements being in the hands of a Nobel Prize winning literary writer. Right, You know, right. You can't be yeah. a lit snob and not touch those genres if you still want to be able to pick up your Ishiguro and read the Nobel Prize winners. Because you aren't, you aren't that many steps away from like a hardcore Asimov robot story here. Like it's, it's yeah. related, but it's not mm-hmm. the sun and the moon different um, from what's going on here. I guess before we're going to have to get into, um, we're going to want to talk about the actual <laughs> contents of the book and what happens. Before we get into that, Rebecca, did you like this book? I did. Did you? I did too. Okay. It's wonderful. I think... If you like issue grow, it's a home run. Like you're gonna, if you like yeah. issue grow already, there's nothing. Are you gonna be blown away? Like you're like, this is a totally new chapter for issue grow. I don't think so. I think yeah. it feels very related to never let me go. I think mm-hmm. it's examining a lot of the same or similar, or at least like the nations share a border. I guess right. I think here. that's right. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to be like, I can't believe this is a grow. I, I don't think it feel, I'm trying to think of a book like that where it's like a step up, a level up or something else like that. Nothing's coming to mind right now, but it does feel like an evolution, a continuation, <laughs> a continuation, um, <laughs> of the issue grow sensibility and corpus. I think you have to see the whole board to understand how far that is. I think there's actually a lot of Stuff. There's a lot of remains of the day DNA in here, mm-hmm. actually, weirdly, mm-hmm. which we can get into, because it ultimately comes down to being about relationships. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. It, I, it was better than I was expecting, I think, yeah. and, and maybe better than I was and hoping. That, yeah, I find with all of the Ishiguro I've read, which is not all of them yet, that I th- find myself thinking about the books yes. just 
kind of perpetually in my life. Like not, you know, I'm not getting up every day thinking about an Ishiguro novel, but like it's been a decade since I first read The Remains of the Day. And it still just sort of randomly pops into my mind when I'm noodling about Never Let Me Go is the same. That particular feeling of reading Never Let Me Go Mm -hmm. and realizing what's going on and what the stakes there are and what the kids are dealing with. Yep, you can see like elements of that story show up Mm -hmm. in so many other stories. And I think that's something that like, because Ishiguro has such a refined and like subtle approach to the way that he uses all these elements of things, I don't think that he gets quite the credit I think he should get yeah. from other artists, especially in other media, who are inspired by these ideas or these kinds of stories. And they tell them in a much flashier, right. openly like advertised genre way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, is that the movie of Claire and the Sun would not be as good as Claire and the Sun. Right. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. And we, and we can talk about why, because a lot of it is about point of view and internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it would just, unless you're going to do voiceover for the whole thing, which I guess you could do. So much is it about the perspective and what that perspective offers, mm-hmm. that what that perspective offers, but then what the author is trying to do with it. I guess we could do a little bit of plot. So the conceit here is it's sometime in the near future, fifty years in the future, maybe Rebecca. I, I you, think I'd go yeah, like thirty to fifty somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. where technology advanced to the point where um, Claire of the title is a an AF, which we're never told. One another thing I love about it should grow. You have to piece it together and figure it out. And there's going to be gaps because you can't figure everything mm-hmm. out. Well, maybe we're told later that it stands for artificial friend. Yeah. Um, and she is a, this, we're going to get into spoilers here a little bit. She is a quote unquote sentient robot mm-hmm. yeah. who is designed to be a friend for teenagers, right? From about mm-hmm. 13 to until they go to college. Yeah. And you don't find out much about this as it goes. But it starts out, it's all told from Clara's point of view, and it starts out a big chunk of the beginning, and one of the real brave choices mm-hmm. is you spend the first part of the book with Clara waiting to be bought in the yeah. store and watching the world go around and her trying to figure out things and understanding some of the rules of the AI that's either programmed into her or Ishiguro is created, or I guess both of those things are mm-hmm. true at the same time. And it is the, that is the, Claire is the main character, but the main creation is her worldview and what she can and can't know. Is that fair, Rebecca? Yeah. We know from pretty early on because of the way that the manager talks to Clara about herself and then talks to customers about Clara that she's an especially perceptive AF that she's always, she wants to be, she's curious about the outside world. She wants to see more of it. She pays close attention. She asks a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And that choice to put us in her perspective and let us see the world through her eyes gives us Im- that immediate knowledge of how much she, how curious she is, really. Like right. how much she wonders about what is happening in the world, what the motivations of people are that she's seeing on the sidewalk. Why are those two men yelling at each other? Right. What happened that made them angry? Why are those taxi drivers, you know, swinging mm. their fists at each other now on the sidewalk? Where does the sun go? Right. What does the sun want? How mm-hmm. does this work? Right. Um, and very interesting. It is. I thought that, well, I think we'll have to talk a lot about the sun. <laughs> yes. And right there in the title. It's on the tin. <laughs> yeah. But that the, the way that he constructed what she knows and what she believes, mm-hmm. and that we have artificial intelligence that's capable of forming belief that's not rational, yeah. is really interesting. Because mm-hmm. usually, 
at least in my limited reading of sci-fi that features robots, which I want to acknowledge off the top, <laughs> is limited. The AI is usually presented as very rational yeah. or hyper-rational. Hyper, yeah, the, mm -hmm. the hyper-rationality is a problem even, right? That's right. where the and locus here, of the, tension is. Yeah, and here with Clara and I think just the world of the mm -hmm. AFs and this future world that the story is set in, it's the humanness of her and of the AFs that is, it's a, it's a feature, not a bug, that she's not fully and only rational. Yep. And eventually, so we get, I, I didn't do, I, you know, I didn't write in the book at all. I read it in one sitting. This is also Ooh, interesting to know, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, and I didn't, I had a pencil, but I just didn't ever slow down. So I'm not going to have a lot of pullouts. You're, you tend to be good at that. So maybe you'll have a mm -hmm. few, but you get 50 pages of just Claire in the store waiting to be bought before she's bought by yeah. um, a family who's the daughter is 14. She's 13 or 14, mm -hmm. 13, somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Young teenager. And her name is Josie. Um, and then the main action of the story picks up um, in their household, and there's dynamics there at play. Um, what else do we want to say before we get really into the story? And it's sort of a bathing, you know, any kind of synopsis, I guess, is technically, now you know that she is bought eventually. Right. <laughs> and, and so, but I feel like that's, we're not quite in the deeper waters of spoiler. We're more in, in setting up the tone. But anything else here for people who are trying to decide whether or not they want to wade into this or not, Rebecca, oh. that's interesting to think about? Man, I think if you're on the fence, this is worth a try. And then yeah, if you can push yourself, we're pushing you over to the other. If you're on the fence, we're pushing you over. Go. And if you book. can read the first 20, if you read the first 20 pages of this and you're not enamored, yeah. In the first 20 pages, it is not the right book for you. Put it down. And it does get plottier, but the pleasures will not pick up too much when right, they get like, plottier. You know, in the way that literary fiction is kind of defined by people sitting around thinking about things, mm -hmm. like not a lot happens in the book. We are with Clara as she experiences her daily life and thinks about things. And there's sort of one central, the mm -hmm. why that the why of why this family is taking Clara home is really the big reveal. Um, and we won't spoil that right now. Um, but it's so much about her internal life. And I think that's just one of the astonishing things about this is that this is 300 pages about the internal life of a robot. Right. And it's beautiful. And I guess on the content warning side, I think it's appropriate to say just a little bit here, mm -hmm. something bad happens to a young person off, quote unquote, screen. You're told about it. You get a little intimation there. And there's a very there's a very disturbing central idea, but it's not disturbing in a, in a typical kind of a way. You, you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about here, Rebecca. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not sure what else to say. It's not violent. It's not sexual. It's not perverse, I guess. I'm not sure what else, but there's a there's it, there's some interesting and weird and disturbing kind of ideas that crop up later. Yeah, I also think I if don't know what else to say. I'm not sure else to say much more about yeah, that before without giving it away. I agree. There's not established like trigger warning language mm -hmm. that would address what the challenging component right. <laughs> of yep. the story is, and I think that's just useful to know. Like it, there are some difficult things to wrestle with here but they don't map onto the more common warning other than that something bad happens to a child they will they, not be something that you will have lived as an experience right, right. <laughs> that triggers you like yes. it, it can't it's impossible right for that the, the ideas might be upsetting but right. right you will not have lived this experience by virtue of the fact that this does not occur yet in real you life are not a robot <laughs> right um, or but if you're won't be one 
if you are sensitive to some of those futuristic, potentially squicky yeah. things, I think you could read a spoiler-filled review of this, or you could listen to the rest of the show and and go. You could read this book knowing what's what the reveal is, and mm-hmm. still, I think, have a very enjoyable experience. Of right. It. The, the The magic of it is not what happens; it's yeah. how it's conveyed. Right. Um, and like so. as I said, if you go in as we did, you go for like two hundred and forty some pages before you actually know for sure there's going to be a thing. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's right. So I guess we're, be, we're being elliptical enough about it. Um, if you don't want to be spoiled, um, if you don't want to hear more about what happens and our takes on what happens or didn't happen or may have happened. Um, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> we'll see you next Otherwise, week. we're we're gonna we're gonna talk to you uh, after the break. Okay, Rebecca. Now that we've done the easy part <laughs> of saying whether or not we liked it, where you know, kind of connected to Shiguro, where shall we proceed from here? Um, I guess we're not going to do a whole plot summary for people, right? At this point, right. you're just gonna you can save this part for when you've read it later or you can know that you can come back to it or you can take this with you big idea maybe that's the Mm -hmm. place to start what is the book about we've talked about the plot what is this book about Rebecca I think it's about is there something that makes humans unique right and if there is what is it and what if there is what is it so if if you're listening along and you want to skip to the end in terms of how we need to come back to talk about what well, that's a big idea. Basically what happens is that in the course of the story, we find out that Josie, who is th- that uh, Clara has been bought for, um, is very ill. And her illness is a result of a procedure that some families choose to have their children th- go through called being lifted, which essentially elevates your IQ as far as we can tell, Rebecca. It's essentially yeah, like you're they, smarter. Right. They just refer to it as genetic editing and so yeah you're smarter or you have more capability or something but can also make you very sick and you're not a superhero like it's not that kind of a deal but you are significantly smarter than even the smartest non-edited people i think is what we're given Mm -hmm. to believe and there's a that's the the piece of the class piece comes in here that issue grows so good Mm -hmm. at the class dynamic stuff there but josie one of the side effects is you can be very sick for a long time and or die as a result of it. Sometimes it goes bad. And her sister um, died of the procedure. Mm -hmm. Her parents still decided to have um, Josie go through it. And as we pick up the story, it's unclear whether or not Josie's going to die. And she's very sick. She tells Clara that um, at the beginning, it's like, you're going to find out some things about me and I'm going to have my bad days and whatever. Mm-hmm. And Josie's survival becomes the crux of the story because her parents, mostly her mom, engage a robotics craftsperson artisan savant to groom Clara to play the part of Josie, should she die, to continue Josie, which is a wonderfully Isn't it? eerie word choice. That was in that my notes. brings up all kinds of interesting <laughs> questions. Yeah. And to like, I read it over the course of several days in like 50 page snippets and I didn't make a lot of notes, but I did a lot of like circling a word that I was like, yeah. that is such a choice. And then going back through those when I was prepping for today was just interesting to see what came out to me. Um, the continuing thing is so yes. interesting. I think it's important to note that 
the the lifting is complicated by whatever has happened in society like the presence of there AI There is something else you're right yeah like the presence of AI has rippled through society in other ways there are people who are referred to as post employed and we get reference to like after the substitutions and we know mm-hmm. that Josie's father was substituted and now lives in a community with other humans who are maybe fascists but maybe just rebelling against the way that things are going um and the kids don't these the kids who are lifted study it seems they call them oblongs but this seems like an advanced version of a phone or an ipad, iPad. or something yeah they study remotely using technology and they so they are lacking in social skills and they host and attend these like a very awkward interaction <laughs> meetings for the purpose to practice being humans right to basically. practice being humans which is kind yeah. of similar to like i mean growing up in the midwest wh- where we both did i knew a not small number of kids who were homeschooled and had to yeah. attend similar kinds of things where it was like you don't go to school so we're gonna create another artificial social Barn structure dance, so to speak yeah right yeah so that you can practice so we see josie going to an interaction meeting josie has this best friend rick who has been her friend since childhood and this gets to the class thing rick was not lifted his mother has much less money fewer resources um than josie's family does so that's all happening josie and rick have been planning their life together they think they're going to you know stay together forever and be partners or lovers it's not really clear and can that happen because Mm -hmm. she's lifted and he's not assuming that she lives um but we get our first hint of the weirdness pretty early on but you don't know exactly how weird it's going to be when they're still in the store and josie's mother asks clara Like at the time, it seems like a test of just how good of attention are you paying? But she asked Clara to imitate Josie's walk. Yeah. Who seems to have a disability of some kind as a result Mm -hmm. of the editing that is identifiable and something that Clara notices seeing her Mm -hmm. just walk outside is she it's a limp or she kind of stoops or there's something else that's a noticeable sign of being either in pain or impaired of some kind in her. That is our first, I mean, outside of the eeriness of robots, you know, that are meant to be <laughs> friends that you buy, that's our other sense that there's another thing going on. That it was an odd request. It's framed as odd in the context of the story even, mm-hmm. which is hard to do, interestingly, in speculative fiction, is to notice how something in the world is not right, even within right. the world that's wrong that you're reading. But that's an early one. It's like, you're like, oh, Pay attention to that. That in the right. cooting machine. This is machine, weird. Yeah. The amount of attention paid to the road repair machine early on, I was like, oh, Chekhov's um, pollution machine here. Mm-hmm. We'll get that <laughs> again a little bit, which is interesting as well. And so when you say that it's about whether or not there's a spinning molten core of yourself that is not reducible to blips and bleeps and electrons firing, um, can it be then, if you have a sufficiently sophisticated container, not can you be poured into that container, but that can can that container pass the Turing test of you, right. where people around you, either through suspension of disbelief or, and this is a question I have later, through not knowing, mm. believe you to be that person on an ongoing basis. Right. And, you know, and, and the question is, if, if the answer... Both of them are weird. Both uh-huh. answers, when you think about it, are weird. <laughs> if the answer is yes, that you could be continued, well, then that's 
has ramifications? And if the answer is no, then that also has ramifications. We've just been dealing with those ramifications for since the beginning of, of time, that, mm-hmm. that man is mortal. And no matter how perfectible the world, people will still die, and there will be loss and sadness and loneliness um, going forward, no matter how good the AI gets, or no matter how good the oblongs are good at teaching you, or right. so on and so forth. Either one, like pick your dystopia, you know? You're either in this dystopia or the one you don't know. Uh, the when, dystopia you know, as they say. I believe that's the <laughs> When you said the word loneliness there, and I want to get to that because that's the issue of loneliness and connection mm-hmm. is so present or the question about those things that, you know, after the, and I did make some notes about these, like after the interaction meeting, Clara, at, at the interaction meeting, a couple of the teenagers are real jerks to real Clara jerks. and about Clara in the way that teenagers can be like when they're trying to impress each other. And Clara ponders what's going on here. And she tells herself they fear loneliness and that's why they behave as they do. And then we get a few other references to people like to the extent that people will go to try Mm. to avoid loneliness in their lives and all of this is observed by a robot who who has just eventually been told that her the purpose of her existence now as a purchase of this family is in a way to prevent them from having to deal with that grief and loneliness that would be a result of their daughter dying if clara can sufficiently and convincingly perform Josie after Josie dies her parents can avoid that feeling or Mm -hmm. think they think they can they're willing to try and I thought what a fascinating way to look at this like so much of literary fiction is about loneliness in some way so many books are about loneliness in some way or about our need to not be lonely Mm -hmm. or about our need to like be seen but to have all of that humanity observed by a robot is such a choice well that's I mean the 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 Cliffsnotes version of Isha Grow is like E.M. Forster, but what if there were robots? I mean, that's or what if or what if in the future, right? Right, right. And you know, E.M. Forster, not for nothing, his most famous sort of saying is just connect, right? Which mm-hmm. is the opposite of loneliness. Is how do you connect with people? And even though Clara is an AI and she has seemingly remarkable physical skills and intellectual capacity that's hinted at, her real superpower is that she doesn't get lonely. That's what allows her to do everything else. Is that she sits on the shelf, literally and metaphorically, and she's not lonely. Her best quote-unquote friend in the store, another AF, gets sold before she does. And it doesn't, I mean, she misses her, but she's not lonely as a result right. of it. We find her at the end um, in one of the more gutting <sighs> turns I was not expecting, Mm-mm. being put out to pasture, essentially, that these AFs were not told, essentially have a shelf life of some kind, that they start to... Um, what they, they have a slow it? fade. Slow fade, right? Where they're not turned off, but there's some. There's some. It's like a. It's like their battery is going out, and we can come back and talk to that too. But then she's brought to this place for AFs in this field where she slowly loses functionality. Eventually, she can only spin her head around, right. and she still is given the chance to be moved into another part of the pasture where there's other AFs. And she says, "No, I'm fine. I like where I am. I can see a lot." Mm-hmm. And it's it's there's a way in which it's shown that the inability to feel loneliness is just as bad as the ability to feel feel it mm-hmm. at the end. It's just as sad. It's just as isolating. Yeah. It's just as inhuman. To it's more inhuman to not be lonely than it is to be lonely, 
And that was the real turn for me that I did not see coming there yeah. at the end. I Those really last didn't. 10 pages were a gut punch. They really were. Almost could be a short story by themselves. You'd, if you just got that this was an AF ah, that had been uh-huh. the friend, almost like a Toy Story kind of vibe of like Woody and Buzz being, you know, discarded by their child and they're brought out to pasture. But this is the end where they, and they don't, you know, Woody and Buzz have human feelings. Right. This is some other kind of, sensibility that can learn that has desires that has an understanding of the world that exceeds its programming as you intimated like it comes to believe things that aren't true based on putting together pieces of what it does see and and trying to fill in the gaps much like humans do Mm -hmm. when they see an impartial uh, an incomplete view of the world so the degree to which clara is and is not of our own sensibility i think is where a lot of the uncomfortable pleasure of the reading experience really lies mm-hmm. because you can see how it is and is not and what the advantages would and wouldn't be. A very yeah. fascinating way of thinking about it. It is really fascinating. And so much of it, like Clara's existence is really defined by perspective taking, by her ability yes. to understand Josie and what Josie wants and understand the mother and what the mother wants and to look at whatever's happening in the room and try to figure out what is asked of her in that moment or what she can be doing to like ease the social situation or make the people happy or do her job. Like what is her function in that space? And that's kind of fundamentally about empathy. Yeah. But how do you have, what happens when there's empathy without connection? Right. And that feels, that's where it starts to feel perverse, right? It's like a sex robot of feeling. Yeah. Right? There's, a, there's the, an element of that that's really, that's where it makes us feel uncomfortable. It's a one way street. The humans yeah. in the story don't have to have empathy for Clara because they know that she does not have at least that depth of feeling or the spectrum of feelings that they have. So there's also stuff that, like, over time really broke my heart in the story about, like, Josie and her mother are having breakfast in the kitchen yeah. and Clara wants to give them privacy. So she stands in the corner, like, with her face to the wall and. It's so dehumanizing. And then right. you're like, but she's not a but human. But she's not a human, right. <laughs> like and, just and that response, there's so much to unpack. Because it feels, because we want, because we see through her, her eyes, literally and figuratively, how much of an approximation, how much human ethic do we feel like we should extend to Claire? I mean, I think that's right. another question about AIs writ large, but here mm-hmm. it's really brought to bear where, is she impossible to mistreat? Because that's what's really brought, that's what's sort of played within the, the party scene where right. should we just throw her around and she'll always land on her feet and isn't that a weird party trick that doesn't seem nice but if is it not nice or is it just not she's not a human does she, mm-hmm. can you hurt clara well we i don't think, know we don't yeah. know that and i think related to that question is what does it if there is something fundamentally different or special about humans and i think as you grow's answer to that is yes yes then what is the impact I think this is one of the core questions of the book. What's the impact on humanity and like our humanity and the nature of humanity of how we treat these potential advanced forms of technology. And Mm -hmm. that's part of why it feels, or that's to me like a large part of why that party scene feels so squicky. And that there's a, I think there's a place later in the book where they're like, well, we could just junker or something like that. And it's because you don't want to see other humans as capable of, that kind of behavior or for a human to develop the ability to like dehumanize an item that has 
exercised so much empathy toward them or given them so much space. It feels very unequal in a way that's also very challenging when you're like, this is a robot. Mm -hmm. Well, the artificial friend, I mean, I think that there's a tension just in that phrase, right? If friendship is relational. Right. Mm -hmm. um, And to call it an artificial friend is sleight of hand because it's not really that. It's like an emotional butler. Like it's there to make you feel better. That mm-hmm. but that it needs to look and act mostly like a human is also telling, right? Yeah, that, it, and, that, it, that it could be a replacement for a human. It's not one of those robot dogs mm-hmm. that doesn't really look like a dog, but can do sort of dog-like things. When, no one's saying it's meant to confuse you into thinking it's dog. Right. Part of the sleight of hand of the friend is you're supposed to think, you're supposed to be able to forget or at least subconsciously or mm-hmm. ambiently think of them as a person so that they can be your friend. But then it seems like the other side of the ethical spectrum should then be engaged, which is I then owe them something that I would own a, a friend. Right. Mm-hmm. Or right? something like that. Even if the function is just to make you feel better, most of us don't want to feel like people who would throw another person around the room just to see what happens. Right. Or who would be that cavalier about someone else's bodily autonomy. And that's like that makes it sound very serious. But I feel like that's kind of what he's getting at there is Claire is not going to be hurt by this. But these no. these humans who are, you're right, interacting with this robot as if it's a human because it serves them to interact with it as if it's a human, these humans might be impacted. Their humanity might be impacted if they can get okay with treating something else that badly. Yeah, right. If If artificial friend is a real thing in the world, then organic object could be a real thing Mm -hmm. in the world too like you could you could infer one from the other the other implication that you really don't get till the fullness of the book is that these AFs are meant to sort of like interrelational training wheels they're meant Mm -hmm. to get you from a a childlike state into a fuller state where you can have I think as Josie says a society like a group of humans that you interact with but to get you through these awkward years of loneliness, it, it, teen, being a teenager is hard. It would be mm-hmm. great if there was uh, the vacuum cleaner that you could rent that would make it easier for me <laughs> to get from 14 to 19. And that's what they're kind of saying. is like, well, what yeah. if they, we could have someone help them through and in those moments where they feel lonely, they can braid their hair or do other things. It's not shown to us, though, that it works. Right. Without like Rick, st- Josie feels just as lonely. Right. right. It doesn't, and, does it work? Can, is this possible? These kids are all presumably going to go off to college at 18, Yeah, you know, fresh out of their interaction meetings. And without these security objects, assistant devices that these robots <laughs> kind of are, like emotional assistant devices, like that question is really open-ended and I think it's intentional and Ishiguro yes. is part of like, did it actually make a difference? Like, I'm not sure that Josie is more functional in the world after four or five years of living with Clara than she was, than she would have been without it. And we don't see much like corrective or teaching kind of interaction no. be- between them. Yeah, you, you don't. Clara is not there to instruct Josie. She's not to say, this is how you should treat a friend if she does something untoward. It's how can I make your life, how can I make you feel better? How can I Mm -hmm. see the world and I'll go get Rick to come apologize because I see that's causing pain. Right, which is like not how human relationships work. You're dealing with another person. Right. Yeah. And you're yeah, you're dealing with yourself and you're dealing with another person who's coming into that situation with their own set of wants and needs and their job is not 
to give you what you want. Yeah. Well, because I think the twin issue, I think loneliness, I think there's a binary star here to continue the solar metaphor that's at the heart of the book, which will, I promise I'm going to keep saying we're going to get to, but we'll talk <laughs> about the sun. The other, the, the, the other side of the loneliness coin in this book, I think, is control, mm-hmm. right? It's the control of, I'm going to have my kids genetically edited to help them get ahead. I'm going to buy them a robot so that they will feel better. I will engage a Doc Brown, Elon Musk sort of researcher person to help me build a clone, a robot version of my daughter in case she dies that can continue on for all this control, all this effort to avoid feeling the real thing. Right. To avoid the things that make us human. (laughs) To avoid the things that make us human, which is our biology, our feelings, and our connections and relationships and distances from other people. Mm -hmm. If I can control the world enough, I will not be lonely and I will not lose things. And those two things go hand in hand. But the cost of that is... I'm not sure what the, I mean, I'm not sure what the, the, the book is actually saying. The cost is like, it's not saying you'll lose your humanity and sort of like you'll be a Dr. Evil. Right. It's just that you won't be human in a way we understand it anymore. Like our, our, our understanding of what it is to be alive will be different if you cannot lose right. and it's, you are not subject to your body in ways that we understand. Them. Yeah, I, I think the warning here, if you can read a warning into Ishiguru's interpretation of like the possibilities of this kind of technology is a certain shallowness of experience of what it is to be human or a lack of richness. It's very cold. It's very Mm -hmm. cold. It's very cold, which is why the sun, again, that's where the warmth is. But it's also the thing you can't control and understand and and its distance and it's fickle and it doesn't listen. And the the sun is the ultimate symbol for the natural world. It's it's beyond the pale, literally, of control. And so it becomes a god of a kind to Clara, right? Because I believe, I think we're given to understand that these AFs are solar powered, yeah. at least maybe. And at some point, they are no longer replenished by the sun and they shut down. And there's some stuff about fluid and it gets a little bit of fiddly and weird in there. <laughs> but the sun, they're not told how the sun works, apparently. So they have to, they kind of invent a worldview, a heliocentrism of the, mm-hmm. of the universe. Well, or at least Clara does. Like we at don't... least Clara does. How special is Clara is a wonderful, interesting question. Yeah, too. that like the word sun is capitalized throughout and it appears on the first page capitalized. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So now we're in a, an interesting place. Like the sun is a proper noun <laughs> here. Right, yeah. Or a god, and, right? Right. Which and is a over, proper noun. Right. Yeah. yeah. And over time, she it's clear that she thinks the sun is a deity, that mm-hmm. it the sun has powers, like in addition to being able to charge up her machinery. I think the first moment that we, the first like big moment about the sun is when she's still in the store and she watches, a, it sounds like a homeless person who is on the sidewalk. Right. She thinks he's sleeping, dead. Right. Sleeping with his dog. She thinks he's dead. The weather has been gross. And then the sun comes out. And after the sun has come out, this person sits up, seems better. Turns out he's no longer dead. And Clara concludes that this is because the son has given, in the book they're referred to as Beggar Man and his dog, the special medicine, the son's special medicine. And so when it turns out that Josie may be dying and that the parents are considering having Clara Mm -hmm. continue Josie, Clara determines that the thing she needs to do is get the son's favor. So that the son Make a sacrifice to the son, literally. Right, yeah. yeah, So that the son will 
help Josie out and keep her alive by shining on her, like literally by opening the windows so the sun mm-hmm. can come in. And the sacrifice that she has to make is right, is against the great pollution machine. <laughs> yeah, it, it reminds me of those AI fails you see online, like, you know, AI that thinks hot dogs or <laughs> steamships or something like that. This right, is like an right. AI feel, right? Like they're trying to make sense of the world. They're connecting dots in order to form a narrative. And even if the dots don't really connect, they're trying to figure out a way for it to yeah. happen. It's it's fascinating that it's, that the AI is sufficiently sophisticated that it cannot be controlled. That's the other thing about the control here is there's mm-hmm. fuzziness that there's variation between models of AF. There's even and then there's even greater variation between like lines and point two, the B threes mm-hmm. versus the B twos, and these ones are better for this, and this one had a problem, and these other things happened. It's that the AI itself in our quest to control becomes an uncontrollable thing. You know, that's that's a very like Dr. Yeah. Jekyll, Frankenstein kind right. of idea of the and thing that, you want to make then becomes not subject to your making. Yeah. And that, as you said earlier, one of the things that she then does that's incredibly human is connect dots that aren't really yes. connected. And it's this like one of the lighter elements of the book is Ishiguro kind of exploring how and why humans maybe develop beliefs in the supernatural like she sees this i think it's just a construct like a big construction vehicle that emits yeah, a lot of pollution i think so i think so it's like a tarring machine that's there for a few days outside the window i can't figure out exactly what it was doing yeah and it the it emits a lot of smoke i think and it blocked out the sun and so she concludes that the sun is unhappy about this and pollution must be bad and so if i want to make the sun happy I should make the pollution go away. And it has the flavor of like how conspiracy theories get formed. Or religion for that right. matter. I mean, or to religion. go the other yeah. way. I yeah, mean, this, right. is, this is her religion. Like there's a, a scene, I think near the end, where Clara has decided that the, she's like come up with this idea that the thing she needs to do is go meet the son where he goes to bed. And where barn. she, yeah. yeah, and where she sees him go to bed is where the sun sets in Mr. McBairn's barn or whatever, McBain. Um, and she's there like beseeching him. And it's very yeah. prayerful very language yeah. of like, please show your favor and give your compassion to Josie and it's i think so much a question about where do religions come from and why do why do people develop these things and how do we come to connect these disparate things and create like a system of belief out of whole cloth and i was just so i'm so interested i want an interview with ishiguru where he'll talk about like <laughs> what how did he land on creating this ai that can know all these things but not know how the sun works it seems like an extra couple of gigabits of like wikipedia would have helped clarify <laughs> Like, this is how the sun works. Yeah, right? Just so you know. Like, also, here's you, a solar you, system. Here's you're a, solar powered, so maybe you super need to know how the sun works. It would seem to be very, it's a weird oversight in the B2 firmware that they didn't explain. Like, and they basic just never pushed an update. That you can get in second grade. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they didn't plug her in back at Josie's house. They didn't ever want to do the software update because something always goes wrong yeah, in a software and, update. And, you know, Josie, not Josie, Clara hints to the people in Josie's life that she has an idea and she might be able to save Josie, that there that might withholding, be... withholding, I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're getting... Yeah, it. yeah, I mean, the withholding is fascinating. Um, that there, there might be hope, but she won't tell them what it is because she thinks she can't because it's like her secret, sacred mission. Yeah. But it also means that no human 
gets a moment on the page to interrogate the logic of this. Right. Which then Clara kind of becomes their son, right? Like they don't right. know why it might work, but they're willing to try anything. Okay, sure. Yeah. I guess if you, you're AI, maybe there's something you see and I'll go along and it can't hurt, right? Which is its own, you know, faith and belief and hypothesis. The lines are less clear than you might think yeah, in those and situations. Hope. There's and hope. some pretty explicit talk about hope on the page that, you know, that it's hard to shake and the part where Josie is like praying to the sun really feels like bargaining. If you read yeah. it of like, I'll do the, I will do all Clara, these things. Clara. Oh, Cla- Clara. Yeah. yeah sorry, you're, just, yeah, you're I'm, right. I'm Too sure many. Yeah. There are like two names in this book and I can't get them straight. <laughs> um, yeah. Where Clara is praying to the sun, what she's, when she's talking to the sun, please, you know, give your favor, show compassion to Josie. I will do all these things. I will make a sacrifice. I'm going to go kill the cootings machine and mm-hmm. do whatever. It's, give a piece of myself, I'll right. ask for help, I'll go on a quest, it's, like the whole yeah. thing. You know? It's like it is the bargaining phase of grief just being performed by a robot. Yeah. And I, bargaining is an interesting verb. I hadn't really thought about that. How much bargaining is happening all the way through this book mm, to bargain mm-hmm. with death, bargain with loss, bargain with the future, bargain with your past. Um, Rick and his mom go oh, to... Yeah beseech the help of a trustee at the one college that will take non quote unquote lifted students and basically make a personal plea to intervene on his behalf. And it's, it's a weird, it's kind of a weird detour. I'm having uh, it is a, a couple of places that's hard to connect, but I when if you think about it in terms of control and about pleading, right. And about trying not to, and trying to avoid the realities of the yeah. situation, which is what bargaining kind of and is. I think the words, like the word favoritism shows up in that yeah. conversation. And maybe even we're asking you to show favor, which is mm-hmm. exactly what Clara asks of the son. And that they're both making, trying to make these deals with yeah. authority figures that they think have some power and maybe they can just ask the right way or offer yeah, the right thing. If they things. subjugate themselves properly, right. they will smile upon them and take mm-hmm. mercy on them and yeah. otherwise intervene in a way they wouldn't. Um, powerful. I think, you know, like Never Let Me Go, which thinks about a certain way the future could go, right? And Never Let Me Go, the idea is mm-hmm. like there are these humans that were bred reared for the express purpose of providing organs to other humans. It takes an idea about humanity and stretches it or refracts it or takes it and thinks, what if it goes this way? Because both of them to me seem like terrifying possible futures. Right. These are not impossible futures to me. And they're, they're very unlikely, but you can see how it gets there. And in, in, in these are very real you know, we talk about genetic editing already. If you had the chance to improve your child's what at future by this risk, would you do it? There is a way of toxic helicopter parenting involved mm-hmm. here. Of mm-hmm. I will make these decisions. I will wager. I don't trust happiness or the possibility of happiness that lies outside financial success or other kind of social success enough that I will do wild stuff, like subject my kid to all kinds of toxic, dangerous, unhealthy, 
behaviors. I mean, yeah. the editing it as metaphor for a certain kind of parenting, I found personally extremely that is, fascinating. That is fascinating. And there's a real horror element to yes. the story and a horror flavor where early in the book where um, Josie is explaining to Clara some of her interactions with her mother and she says that her mother brings up certain like dangerous topics for the purpose of making certain emotions appear in Josie's mind. Like Josie thinks Mm -hmm. that her mother is manipulating her functionally. Before we knew what was going on, I was like, is this going to be a story about Munchausen by proxy? Like, are we going to get this mother? Interesting. I didn't see that one, but that's made. I think I have too much Gillian Flynn in my head. Um, (laughs) Like, is this going to be a story about a mother who made one of her daughters sick and the daughter died and now she's doing it to the other one? Mm. And that horror element sort of like popped up there and it pops up when the mother takes Joe or takes Clara. I will get their names right. Takes Clara to the waterfall. And and they like they leave Josie and the housekeeper at home because the mother is convinced that Josie is too ill to go, even though Josie seems fine. So the mother and Clara go on this weird as hell outing to this waterfall where while they're like sitting at the picnic table, the mother is having Clara do more of the performing Josie embodying Josie. And it's just like it makes your skin crawl just long enough. Mm-hmm. And I think the next place where that feeling happens is when they go to the portrait guy's yeah. house and Clara sees the portrait of Josie. And that was like, that's a moment that the movie would be, you know, like, terrifying, horrifying, horrifying, yeah. even though it's a robot, right? Basically, there's a version of Joe, a robot mental, an AF essentially yeah. looked to made to look exactly like Josie, except she's got the wrong hair. Apparently Just that, hanging that from the ceiling being worked on, but there's, there's that in a way, no human ever would. That's what makes yeah. it terrifying. Right. In right. an inhuman without being a pejorative or an unhuman way. Maybe if we distinguish between mm-hmm. those unhuman That's and humans useful. being different things. Yeah. Um, so that question of what lengths, there is a line between doing what's best for your child and then abusing them or mm-hmm. manipulating them or controlling them that is troubled here because we get two versions of that one Rick the neighbor his mom I, I'm not it, it does it's made it, it makes it seem like she chose not to have him edited not for financial reasons but Finances seemed like they were part of it, but didn't want him to undergo the procedure because of the danger, right? Mm-hmm. That it's dangerous. And then Rick has to go through life as second class. It's not clear how bad it is to re- live Rick life, which I think is maybe important because right. for Josie's mom, whose name is... Uh, Chrissy. Sh- Chrissy. It's <laughs> Look, like a name I remember. <laughs> a Chris- Chrissy sees to live your life as non-lifted as a kind of hell, I guess. It's worse than, maybe not worse than dying, but not a whole lot better than than being dead. But we never really get a sense of what that road is because he, at the end, Rick seems like the most well-adjusted person in the whole shooting match, right? He goes <laughs> yeah. off to ride, a, he rides a motorcycle, which is an American sign of freedom and independence and striking mm-hmm. out. It's like if Huck Finn was written today, Huck would leave for the territories he's, on a motorcycle. He's building drone surveillance devices with his pals. Like, yeah, he fine. seems like he's fine. But what is out there, I think it's important we don't know what it is because neither does Chrissy. And it's that unknowability that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. 
if he actually had to work in a coal mine, it might be easier than whatever else is going to happen. But this way I can guarantee it's the, it's the control I care about, mm-hmm. not even preventing her from doing this other thing. It's that I don't know what that is and there's too much right. there well, and, and I'm scared for her. And it's So I'd rather lie. roll the dice with her life. Right, like it's the lie of the guarantee. It's, That's right. The if lie she of the lives, you'll have guaranteed it. That's right. That, that she, you can do enough to vouchsafe your family members' well-being forever. Yeah. Well, yeah, that if she lives, you will have guaranteed, supposedly, mm-hmm. her success. And I think that's part of why the parents are so invested in this idea of continuing Josie if she yeah. dies. Because if she dies, it will have been because they chose to have her lifted and the procedure killed her. And that yeah. is unfaceable. You can't so, look at it. You can't look at it. Right. So you, you dress it. up a robot and you pretend. Yeah. And yeah. and her and apparently Dr. Capaldi, who is the an interesting figure, not portrayed as a convenient, you know, he's not a, a he's not an available cliche of a mad scientist, right? right? He has his own almost um, Jurassic Park kind of like we can do this, yeah, so yeah. We should, let's go ahead and he's, see, you know, let's see what seems happens. To be genuinely, he seems to genuinely believe what he's doing. Yeah, right. And his idea is well, if we can. Let's see. Maybe it won't go bad, but what's your alternative? You're going to lose her forever? Yeah. For a, for a parent, it's a a Faustian bargain of its own kind, right? It's it's that kind of a it's so attractive to be able to a you know, go to the doctor and buy your kid's security mm-hmm. and or if your kid has cancer or kid has leukemia or kid is going to die some kind of alternative where they're just not completely gone. I am completely... I do not think Chrissy is a monster. I'll say that. I don't think this is a monster mother. I don't think it's meant to... All of her impetuses are there in most people, I know, I think, but certainly most parents I know, that these are the two, that I will have done something that I could... that I I will not have done something I could have to help my kids have a happy life. Mm -hmm. And B, I will have done something to screw them up forever or whatever. Those are the two, the commission and omission. (laughs) Either one is bad. Mm -hmm. And she has, through the power of technology, the chimera, the the illusion that she can go back or that she she can do both. She can do it all. She can proscribe, protect Mm -hmm. um, what life is going to be like for a daughter. Yeah, I think you're right that she's not a monster and that it's essential to the story that yeah. she's not a monster. Like it, it, this, it's good that this is not a Munchausen by proxy story. You know? No, it'd be way less she's, interesting. It'd right, be way that is, less interesting. That is way less interesting. The motivation there is much less complicated and her real desires and her real motivation and this fact that she's a, a parent grieving. Yeah. And we know that they made, they attempted to make one of these continuations for the previous daughter Sal who died but that it wasn't nearly as sophisticated and the doctor refers to it and as it kind of like, went haywire in another yeah. horror movie moment right yeah. right like the doctor refers to it as something like a bereavement doll and there's one mention like in the middle of the book I think the housekeeper tells Clara that she thinks that she saw the mother like 
dragging Sal through the field, but yeah. after Sal had died. And you can put the pieces together that that must have been that doll and that it didn't Making go well. Making a break for it or something right. in the middle and of like, the night. Ugh. And like, did Josie know mm. that they had that about Sal? Did they keep Did they keep the Sal doll in the barn? I don't know, but the, it's you can see how fragile her mother is, especially, and that she's trying to avoid not just the grief she's already experienced, but having to redo it with Josie. And it will either be the grief of knowing that she has done this thing that killed two of Mm -hmm. her daughters or sort of living perpetually in an illusion by virtue of having Which we're led to believe she ultimately chooses against the illusion, right? Mm -hmm. We're ultimately led to believe that when it came down to it, the idea was too weird too off-putting to something to to continue yeah. with the continuation yeah. path though i have a question about that maybe one or two <laughs> and that they kind of is, is right, a switcheroo possible it. rebecca did you think a switcheroo is, oh. is a possible thing no okay did you there's a moment in when you know before the night when the night before the morning of the calling upon the sun that heals Josie and everyone's mm-hmm. either asleep or out of the building, mm. I wondered. Oh, I wondered I, again. I don't know if I have a lot of textual evidence. I don't know if it moves from. It's certainly possible. Is it plausible? I you have to read a lot into it. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. But they ultimately decide that that's a bridge too far to actually try to go through with the continuation scheme Mm -hmm. and they'll let the chips fall where they may which leads to another wonderful moment i think where clara lies to chrissy that we're given where clara when josie is there's this night where it's kind of like when you have a fever i guess or you've got the Mm -hmm. flu and like your feet right before your fever breaks is when the fever is worse where there's this moment where it's really bad and it looks like she's gonna die but she pulls through and it just so happens to be or given understand, unless it really yeah. is the divine intervention of the sun, just a, a coincidence that she wakes mm-hmm. up feeling better on the morning of the sun ritual that Clara engages. Where then, before that happens, and it looks like Josie's really going to die, Clara comes out to Chrissy and says, she wanted to tell you something. Mm. And she said to wait for the right moment, but I, I feel like this is it, which is, she's glad you made the decision she you did. She would, if she had to go back and do over again, she would tell you to do the same thing. There's nothing wrong here. Officer, officer, essentially absolution yeah. in that moment. Wait, isn't that Rick? Doesn't Ricky say that to the, the mom? Or one of them does. I can't yeah, remember, but it yeah. almost doesn't matter, right? Because yeah. we don't ever see Josie even right. say anything like that. Yeah, we don't get any indication that we that's don't actually any... how Josie feels about so it. So there's sort of Schrodinger's lie, right? It's interesting mm-hmm. either way that, that Josie either believed that, A, which is weird, yeah. B, told Rick to say that. Mm-hmm. You know, doing, you know, basically making emotional Make my sacrifice. mom feel better. Yeah. Or Rick is lying to make yeah. Chrissy feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. To say, it's, yeah, it's all it's interesting. Not it's, it's all of, all of those are great. I love, <laughs> I love Schrodinger's cats of these because I get to do English professor stuff and say, well, let's say they're all true. Which yeah. is the most interesting of those? Which of those, which of those is the most interesting to you? I think they're all disturbing in their own way, but which one do you find most interesting of those three possible? Who I would find it most interesting if Josie instructed Rick to, give her mother that lie and didn't believe it or that she didn't believe it oh i would be i would have a hard time believing that josie believed it so you think we, okay it's she that she's doing she's basically doing that thing of telling the 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 little the dog to run away i hate you to let the dog be free essentially yeah, like, right? like we one don't of those we don't see josie like actively 
resent her situation, which is interesting. Which is very because interesting. It seems very difficult and uncomfortable. Though it's but, common, though. I think it's right, helpful that her right, peer groups have true. all gone through like, it as Yeah, well. and like this is just a side effect of this mm-hmm. thing that was done to you. But it was done to you, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. presumably without your own consent. Um, we don't see her be resentful of it. We also don't see her be like very excited about the idea of lifting. It's just kind of the water that she swims in, that this is, this is what happens in the world. She doesn't seem to super believe in it. And she knows that it killed her sister. So my just inclination about it was Josie's not grateful for this choice. And she's so attached to Rick and to the desire for them to have a future together that I think that there's a part of Josie that wishes that she hadn't been lifted. Yes, I think so that's that, right. I think so that's, that that's their right. relationship wouldn't be troubled by the fact that their futures are going in very di- different directions. I think she can see like like the other road that diverged in the wood mm-hmm. <laughs> that that she could have been happy without being lifted. If she and Rick could have had a life together. And that makes her meaningfully different from her mother, who doesn't consider the possibility. And we know so little about the bad outcomes of not being lifted that that Mm -hmm. I think it's willfully, intentionally obscure to us what um, Josie's dad's comment, how bad is it out there for the have nots, I guess, is Mm -hmm. is very. And the one moralizing piece that kind of comes through is Ishiguro makes this line about, he writes this line, I think it's in. Paul's mm-hmm. voice, which is Josie's dad saying, you know, I understand that people are going to have a different abilities and they might get more opportunities because of it. And I get that. But what I can't get behind is that people who have less shouldn't have a decent life, right? There's a very, yeah. very slight bit of that. And what does not having a decent life look like in this well, world is not clear at all to me. And he also says something when he's arguing with Josie's mother about like his current community or whatever situation whatever his living situation is we're like yeah it's hard but we also feel like we're living for the first time yeah it's not as bad as you think right she's and it might actually be and it might actually be liberating yeah there's sort of an anarchist glee in him of like well you know this is the real thing out there and maybe he's right maybe it's wrong yeah it's also a weird there's like a weird different book over there because they have guns and they're protect it's like a mad max with Mm -hmm. elbow patches situation i'm not sure what's going on yeah it's it's, very strange it would be very strange this whole a lot of it this is reminding me of um there's a quote from fahrenheit 451 that i have a tattoo of so i know it that Mm -hmm. um one of the characters is saying to another one ask no guarantees ask for no security there never was such an animal and the way that it gets presented on the page in that book very explicitly in that conversation is and this is good this is liberating for you there never there's no such thing as security so like nothing is guaranteed so you just go and like live and try and you know in fahrenheit 451 they're trying to you know save literature and save freedom of speech And I think there's an element to that happening here where Josie's dad is saying, like, I've accepted this. I have accepted the thing that you're trying to run away from. I've accepted we can't guarantee anything. I've accepted that I'm not going to necessarily get a fair shake because there is no guarantee of fairness. And I feel more alive than I ever have before. Yeah. There's a very, like... And this is also a Forsterian roots of like an upper class, upper middle class terror here mm-hmm. of like falling of class instability, right? If I don't do these three things, I'm going to fall out of my class position. And for some, I mean, 
it's almost as bad as being dead or the 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 prospect of that loss is a kind of death really which is really interesting to see and that's that's something he brings forward from you know the the victorian novel so to Mm -hmm. speak in which the stakes of falling out of society interestingly is a death a social death of a kind where you're now a governess rather than a lady of the a lady of the a house so to speak yeah. and, and those things thing being equivalent are it's a canard right those things aren't equivalent rick riding a motorcycle and building drones on his own is not the same as actually dying it just isn't yeah, it's not and all of this energy expended to try to have control and to try right. to pretend that you have control separates you from the thing that makes you human right and we get Josie's or Clara. No, it is Josie's dad. We get Josie's dad, Paul saying, letting these things just be true is making me feel better. Yeah. It's making me feel free. Making you feel and, better. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I, yeah, I don't think there's a huge moral to this story, but I think what Ishiguru is doing here is asking about these decisions. Like a lot of it, you're right, is about, parenting specifically and then parenting is just such an a good and useful tool for exploring control and these yeah. kinds of decisions and the future that, and humanity right and so on and so forth yeah. that it's about we invent all this stuff we have genetic editing of sorts already we have all kinds of technology that we think can help us feel better can make our lives easier can maybe avoid some of the messiness but they don't yeah <laughs> like they, they fundamentally actually the messes just get bigger and you get worse at dealing with them yeah and 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 maybe in a sort of kind of denial about the whole thing too right, about right. looking at square in the face because as much as the idea is could a human continue as a robot right mm-hmm. the other one the other the other i guess implied question is would you prefer to be a robot as a human mm. would you like to have what Clara gets, which is a constrained emotional scope, um, and not you know an imperfect an imperfect simulation of human depth, curiosity, and a feeling. If it meant you couldn't be hurt and didn't feel lonely and wouldn't mind dying, you know it doesn't bother you. Would you make that bargain? That's the other side of the bargain. It's not just, can we make the robot look like it's my Josie? Is it, do I want to turn my Josie into a robot by making her, by editing her Mm -hmm. and training the feeling, the fellow feeling out of her, training her? I mean, interestingly, the thing that Chrissy's getting ready for Josie to do is to leave her, to go off, never to return or, you know, be gone from her life. Um, And what I, that's the part that I've, always thought to be the most interesting. It's like, if you told me I wake up tomorrow and I feel like myself, but I'm actually a robot, well, that's different than saying, you get to continue, but it's going to be 63% of the human experience. Do you make that deal? It's mute. Well, you don't get the really good stuff either. Yeah. Well, you take a C minus forever (laughs) or Mm -mm. a C minus you don't care that you got, uh, or will you take the the roller coaster um, and the ups and the downs and the finality of it. And I think that ultimately becomes the more interesting yeah. piece of it because Ishiguro isn't suggesting he's not a true quote capital F futurist where the world and robots will save us and everything will be better than 
It's just that the questions about what it means to be human are thrown into an even greater relief because we'll be so much closer to things that are not. Yeah. The things that could be are so close to what we are that the line could be troubled. And then it's about a choice about what are you going to cross the line either mm-hmm. way? Um, a, a choice I'm kind of glad I probably will not live to see. Um, please don't continue me. <laughs> also, the ethical choice of like, do they need consent? <laughs> Does they need Josie's consent to, to continue? It's weird. Yeah. And if they, well, she didn't, it sounds like she didn't get to consent to being lifted. So you can't, it happens early, I think, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't or do seem I like want, or do you want it, to be continued? They don't seem, if other this people world does not seem terribly concerned with the agency of children. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. No, it's, it's true. It's true that I could do something and it, all parents know this. I could choose physical irre- irreversible things are less common, but emotionally or experiential irreversible mm-hmm. things to happen. Um, and that probably most of the time, the ethical choice is to intervene less than more yeah. on the whole, because it assumes a kind of <laughs> prescience and ability to predict the future consequences mm-hmm. of present actions that none of us really. Right. Have. The I'm doing this for your own good is both really the only place a parent can come from in good faith and also an impossible statement to know you will make good on. Yeah. And your own good and then has to be stable, right? It has to be a singular thing that doesn't change. And I know what it is. That's a lot of Mm -hmm. ifs to get right (laughs) at one time. (laughs) As you know, not as I don't like to, I don't like to nest my ifs. More than one if. When it comes to them, when it comes to something like that. Um, we've gone on for a while, Rebecca. We've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I've covered most of the main yeah. points I've had. Any other outstanding questions or issues or comments? No, I think we covered everything that I had bolded in my notes. Like, yeah. make sure we say words about this. My um, English professor mind always wants to ask the question, are we sure this is not about art making? And I think there's a whole <laughs> other podcast about how this is all a metaphor for art making. <laughs> I would prefer not to interrogate this book on that level because I'm afraid it will make me like it less. No, you'll like it more. I think you'll like it more. Clara is a work of art. And look, it, it feigns emotion. We, okay. This thing, these dead trees with ink on them made us feel human things, even though it is not a human. Weird. <laughs> You just did that so efficiently. We don't need yeah, another hour. It's done. I guess I did it right there. <laughs> I used to do this with my students all the time. It was like kind of a kind of a get like the Letterman's is this a thing or not a thing? Right, Are uh-huh. we sure this isn't about making art? <laughs> it's amazing how often it sort of is. It always is sort of about art making. All right. Well, it is well, certainly a work of art. This is a it's wonderful certainly, book. It's a wonderful book. I think I wouldn't be surprised if it stands among the first tier of Ishiguro's work writ large. I really yeah. think it's possible and probably it'll be adapted. And I'm sure it'll be a very fine adaptation, but it will be only an, a continuation of Claire and the Sun, the book, not an actual <laughs> thing itself. Do we know what's we do, what's on the horizon for it book? Discuss, do you have anything oh, in mind for the next? I guess it'd be I a don't. summertime pick. Yeah, we've got to make our list of big summer books to I know to consider. I know. And I think the richness of this discussion for the last hour and a half is all the explanation you need for why this is a sneakily good book club book. Oh, absolutely. And also think of the moms at book club talking about this. Right. And also like you need a couple glasses of wine for that one. And also for why it's not, I don't think an obvious it book for that kind of selection because the, the real complicated questions of it require you to get into it and they're not revealed in the synopsis we've know, done this don't... before the the necessary features of a, a takeoff it book you need more plot than this yeah 
it has it has to be less uncomfortable and more plotty. There's just, no manic it, it, pixie swamp girl in this one. No, and the resolution like what's in it book that's ever happened where the resolution is like this? Mm, I can't think question. of one. I can't think of one at all. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Josie too may have been replaced. Yeah. No. Why is that so bad? That Capaldi went off script and said, "You know what? I'm going to do it anyway, and they'll never know." And I'm going to see. And his <laughs> and his and his visit at the end is to see if they ever figured it out. I want you to reread the last fifty pages and make this case to me. <laughs> it's it's only a possibility. It's an interesting. It's an interesting improbability. But not I want Joe. Yeah, I. Well, I want Josie's parents to have made the choice that I think is the braver one. No, I think they is, made the choice. I'm saying, yeah, what if Capaldi was Capaldi... right and he succeeded? Mm. Where Doc Brown said, no, no, I don't want to know about the future. No, and yet at the I end, mean, he's wearing the vest because I he think, still did it. Anyway. I think we are meant to conclude that there is something inimitable about humanity. Right. I think that's right. Though we never see another scene with Josie acting like she ever did before thereafter. I'm just putting it out there. She changed that day. <laughs> not a, can you be conspiracy so theorist of alternate you. readings? This had not occurred to me as a possible thing and you're not, in this and, book, and, it's and just I'm plausible, really mad about it. It's just plausible enough where you can't let it go. That's all. <laughs> my work here is done. <laughs> just anger me at the last minute and then hang up. <laughs> here at the end, my podcast <laughs> destiny has been realized. I can fade into the West and remain Think of the puns that the Jeff continuation AI could develop. I mean, when you can assort all possible human combinations of language instantly, (laughs) it would be a real shame not to speak in an entirely coded pun language at all times. (laughs) True. It's true. Thank you so much, Rebecca. This is fun as always. A particularly rich text. Juicy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Talk to you next time. Mm Mm-hmm. 